the third day. How many of you think about music when you hear the phrase third day? Thank you. You're of the right generation to, to know that. How many of you, oh, thank you. You're of the right uh, truck driving generation that needs music in your car. Yes, there is a uh, Christian contemporary band that is called Third Day. And I think that's uh, very, very interesting that they would choose that. And I wonder whether or not it was because they too had read their Bible. We're in the midst of a run through the days of creation. And uh, if you choose to attend in the coming weeks, uh, we will unfold these days one at a time. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to let you know that, that there may actually be others who will help me do this. And I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to Annika for that. So um, just know that third day for me has taken on a lot more significance because of this study and particularly because of what happens on this day. So I'm going to summarize because we need to move into some of these things more quickly and say that what you just stood up and read, and I, I've told Brett that I'm thankful that we, we get actually active in our service and that you stand to read the Word of God. It is, it is an act of, of worship. It is also an act of reverence. It is also an act of acceptance that you are using your brain and your eyes and your ears and your mouth at the same time also means that it will be more deeply implanted into your memory, which, of course, changes you. And I believe... That's the point. I'll say this again later on, but the Bible tells us, in fact, Paul tells us, let this mind be in you, the mind of Christ. Did we not hear a story a moment ago about a mustard seed? Doesn't take a lot to make a huge change. Some of us may actually know about the nuclear medicine that is used in prostate cancer where they take seeds and implant them. This time in, in order not to grow so much, but in order to kill certain kinds of growth. But the effect is what is looked at. So, number one, what happens on this day? I hope you have your Bibles open. If not, turn on your phone to the app that you put onto your phone because the pastor told you to? Okay, so you didn't? All right, this is a second chance, maybe a third or fourth chance. There's many Bible apps that you can put on your phone. Please, please, please put a Bible app on your phone so that when you get that, that thought in your head, like, where was that text found again? You can go to Bible Gateway when you're on your phone and you can, you can put in the phrase, let this mind and it's going to tell you where it's found, and it's going to tell you the context. It's going to really help you. There are several things that we see in Genesis, and that's where we've turned to right away. Genesis, we see that the land and the sea are formed. And it's interesting to me that God actually gives them names. 
He doesn't just do something and then not tell us what he's doing. He gives us names and he separates the land from the sea. Now, how many of you love studying prophecy? No, no Adventists love studying prophecy? Okay, so some of us love studying prophecy. What is the difference in Revelation? This is just a quick quiz that is, is, a, is a parenthesis, and I'll keep it a parenthesis. What is the difference between the land beast and the sea beast? Okay, all right, so now you're listening. All right. <laughs> On the third day, God creates land, and, uh, and, and he separates it from the sea. By the way, the answer is sea is always, water is always people. So if you have sea, you have lots of people. And if you have land, well, there's a few streams and lakes on land. There's not sea, so there's not many people. But right at the very beginning, you have this separation between sea and land. It happens on day three. Onto that table, if you like, onto the surface of the earth comes vegetation. Now, uh, I am personally planning to be around to see the recreation of the world. Anyone else with me? Okay. I would like to see this happen again after God does what he has predicted, what he has prophesied that he is going to do, uh, according to Daniel 2 and, and Revelation, that the old will pass away, it will be cleansed by fire, and then there is going to be a new creation and a new world. Tell me in Daniel 2, you, you, you prophecy scholars, what part of the story of the metal man tells this piece? It's the ending part, right? Where there's a stone that is cut out of the mountain. What? Oh, you haven't read Daniel 2 recently? Okay. So a stone is cut out of the And it's cut out without hands. Meaning it's not humanly devised. It's God that does this. And then the stone comes down and does what to the bottom of the image? I mean, let's go CGI here for a moment. Okay, you can imagine... I mean, you Disney fans, you, you movie, you can imagine, I mean, the thing just is obliterated. It goes into a thousand sparks. And then what happens? What does Daniel tell us? Because this is, remember, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw that, that he gave to Daniel the next night because, because Daniel had asked Ariok not to kill him. Remember that? This is all part of Daniel 2. And, and the stone grows and fills the whole earth. Let's not forget that part of the story, folks. Let's not be so selfish to say, oh, we're living at the end of the toes of Daniel 2. That's so selfish. It's not forward thinking to realize that God is telling Nebuchadnezzar, God tells Daniel, and God is telling us that all that is left of that vision is the stone that is cut out without hands and that smashes the image at the feet and the thing disappears in, a, in, in, in a sparks and myriads of stars, who knows? And the stone grows and grows and grows until it fills the whole earth. Understand this. God's kingdom is coming. And what, hap what, what is happening here on earth is going to come to an end. I'll say this again at the end. Yin and yang is the alternative story. 
you Star Wars people? No. Darth Vader never comes back. Not in the original story. But in the alternative story. We hear theology like, you've got to keep good and evil in balance. Really? Is that what we learn from Daniel 2? I don't think so. There is a stone that is cut out without hands that smashes that history into oblivion and fills the whole earth with a new earth. Now we come to Revelation. Revelation 21, the old has passed away and the new has come. And you didn't think that that would come as a result of studying day three. But you see, day three points to resurrection. We'll come to that. Land and sea, number one. Number two, vegetation. And, and, and this, this is, is, is something else that needs to be brought in here. And I, I, parents, be aware that I'm going to try to do this as G-rated as possible today. But I cannot avoid it because it's in the language, it's in the scriptures, it's in the Bible. Every time this is mentioned, it also has a super spiritual connotation. The vegetation is seed-bearing. And it bears seed according to its kind. So here you see the signature of the creator. And he creates things that will produce after their own kind. It's mentioned twice or three times in this text. So please know that this is very important. God is putting in place his order. He's putting his stamp on this creation. The third thing that is created on this day and the thing that really draws my attention mostly to this text is trees. Trees have always been a symbol of people. Trees have always been a symbol of kingdoms. When you think, when I say to you, cedar of Lebanon, what do you think? Strong. Okay, so in Sabbath school today, Linda had the kids uh, uh, painting, uh, uh, doing some artwork for Peter. And by the way, uh, you too have an opportunity to do some artwork, to do a card on a praying hand that is in the narthex right now. So uh, I won't even mind if you send one of your family members to get it because we've given you pencils in front of you. Every single one of you have pencils. You can do some artwork while we are talking and you can uh, send Peter a love note. We're going to put those hands together and we're going to take them to him this afternoon and we're going to tell him this church is praying for you, Peter Thornburg. We love you. Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is a tree stump in the time when he is cut down. Remember that? A tree stump that has a shoot that comes out of it. You have a cedar of Lebanon. The artwork in Sabbath school today was an oak tree. We have beautiful oak trees in this neighborhood. Oaks are thought of as strong, immovable how about pine trees? How about softwood? 
Guess what? They don't sink. They float. Cedar. Cedar doesn't sink. It floats. There are characteristics of trees that are known to us, but there are two characteristics that are mentioned by God when he makes trees. They're good for food. How many of you like uh, peaches? You guys are Californians. You're not really living in deciduous fruit country. So let me say, how many of you like almonds? I mean, you just have to go over the hill, and, and we know we live in Almondville. Okay. Uh, what is an almond, by the way? It's a seed. Good. Um, again, here's a, a quick biology lesson. Where is the seed on a strawberry? On the outside, right. And the nice strawberry we love to eat is called the, come on you biologists, the false fruit. So the peach, the seed is inside. That thing that we actually like to eat would be considered by the biologists as the false fruit. But yet, when we see that peach tree just laden down with peaches or that orange tree that's just laden down with oranges... It's not only good for food, but what's the second thing that God says? It's pleasing to look at. Why do we think, why do we think the trees are so beautiful? It's because God made them that way, and he put within us, whom he also made, a realization of beauty. So I've got several things to say this morning, and this is one of them. Beauty, beauty is a thing. Beauty is a thing. And one commentator that, that, that I read this week, who I, I really respect, beauty is its own reward. It's, that's why oftentimes we'll say to people, it's a thing of beauty, and other people just don't understand. We'll say things like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's, it's like, that's your opinion. You can think of that as beautiful. And we're each entitled to decide what is beautiful. Beauty is its own reward. The same commentator has said, I like this one. If, if, if you like perfume, some people are averse to perfumes because it makes them sneeze. But... Beauty is the scent of God on the universe. Now just think of your favorite scent at this moment. I have one, and I know the memory that it evokes in my mind, and the scientists do tell us that your olfactory, your smeller, is the thing that makes the most impressionable memories. Not your eyes, not your ears, not your mouth. It's your nose that tells you whether something is beautiful. Amazing, huh? Isn't that why Glade and uh, Febreze are doing such a good business? Sorry, I don't mean to take you there. Um, sorry, not sorry. Uh, how about this? Beauty is a sonogram of God's heart. My daughter had her second sonogram. In it, the doctor noticed that the proportion of her head and her body were out of whack. This was 
very worrisome because she was apparently not developing the way that she should. So he ordered up another sonogram. She actually ordered up another sonogram. I was so glad that she did that because we were able to have that third sonogram and it was determined that no, Michaela's head and body were growing at the same rate. It's just that she had her father's head. A <laughs> Little bit bigger than normal. I like to think it had more brains in it, but uh, my mother would probably tell you it just had a thicker skull. So there you are. The sonogram was able to see my daughter at a very perfect moment. In fact, the sonographer asked if my wife wanted to travel with her down to Southern Virginia, where she was going to rep the machine that she was using to do the sonograms that very day, because she said, your baby is just so beautiful on the sonogram. What if we had to think that, that beauty is like the, a sonogram of God's heart? That when we look out at beautiful trees, when we see the beautiful sunsets of which there is never ever one alike to another, and we see the, the, the entire sky painted, and we say, oh, how beautiful that is. We want to write songs about it. We want to, we, we, we want to have somebody next to us that we can hug close. Where does, where, where does that, that come from? That comes from God. And I believe that what he did on the third day, he did very beautifully. And he implanted within us a desire not only to be beautiful, but also to make beauty and to culture beauty, to value it. The interesting comment that was made by the same commentator is that art is powerful Art that is, tries to capture the pictures that we see that we think are so beautiful. But guess what? It can often rival the God it is created to reveal. The art that is created sometimes gets more views than the God who created what the art is about thought that was very interesting. It was maybe a more complicated way of saying maybe we spend more time valuing the created than the creator. Very interesting. And he, the commentator was basically saying maybe this is, this is one of the reasons why art is so powerful and it, and it can lure us away in some respects. I would say maybe it's the reason we have the first and particularly the second commandment. Anyone want to remind me of the second commandment? You will have no other gods before me, number one. Number two, don't even think that you can capture the essence of the creator in some kind of creation that you come up with. Either in the heavens above, are we talking creative language here? The heavens above, the earth below, the land and the sea, or even the waters under the earth. Don't even think that the creation equals the creator. He says later on, my ways are just so much higher than your ways. God sets 
up a banquet table. It's called this life. Number two, got to move on. I have approximately 12 minutes. Number two, intimacy. Intimacy is a thing. Here comes the G-rated version, okay, of this particular text. Trees. In the garden are two trees. Can you name them for me? Very specifically, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Very good. How about this idea? And I'm just putting it forward to you as an idea that I think God has given me. So, so see, if you, see what you like. Genesis 3.22. God says something that has haunted theologians and people who like to think about these things, and so I'm going to haunt you with it today. Man, and I'm going to use the inclusive humanity, at this point it's just Adam and Eve, humanity has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. God wanted Adam and Eve to trust him, when he made them, he wanted, the, him, wanted them to trust. He wants us, folks, he wants us to trust him. So put yourself in Adam and Eve's place because you are the sons of Adam and Eve. You are the daughters of Adam and Eve. He wanted them to trust him. He wanted them to not know. Now, how many of you parents can say, when you told your kid, I can't tell you why? How many of those kids stopped asking why? I know, I was one of those kids and I didn't stop asking why. Guess what? That's what drove that curiosity that we say killed the cat. The curiosity of Eve took her close to that tree where she was tempted to not trust God. My definition of sin is very small. My definition of sin is what happens when you decide not to trust God and you decide to go your own way and trust yourself instead? Okay, that's very simple. Yes, very simple. So what I think happened at that moment, and now I am going to talk sort of sci-fi language, okay? Okay, sci-fi language, here we go. What happened at the moment that Eve takes the fruit and makes that decision what happened at that moment was that she went into another dimension. You going to go with me in this sci-fi thing? Because it's really cool, okay? She goes into another dimension of understanding and belief. How do we know that this dimension is different? Well, when she gives the fruit to Adam and he decides to join her in this other dimension, what do they realize about their dress? They're naked. If you're from the South, it's naked, okay? They're naked. And that could be spiritually, that could be emotionally, that could be mentally, that could be socially naked. They had gone into another dimension. They had decided, they had decided to believe another reality, another idea about how the universe should work. I'm going to leave that there. Just let it sit and simmer for a moment. 
Number three. What we are told in Genesis 2 verse 16 is eat freely. What I would love to bring to your attention at this moment is that the Bible is bookended. The two bookends of the Bible are this. Eat freely, Genesis 2 verse 16, and drink freely, Revelation 22:17. And one commentator, Robert Stallman, wrote his entire doctoral dissertation on this called The Banquet of the Bible. Have you ever thought about the fact that God says his very first words to his human family? Yes, not no. No comes second. Yes is first. Eat freely. What are you going to eat? The stuff that was made on the third day. The seed-bearing plants and trees that were good for food and pleasant to look at. Life that God created, the, the dimension, the dimension that he planted Adam and Eve into was a dimension where they would understand the vastness, the, the micro and the macro of the creator and that they would take it all in and that they would enjoy it. I can't emphasize that enough because that's the, that's the way that this comes across. He's, he set a table. He set a, a world. He put vegetation on it. He put things that were beautiful. He put things that were good to eat on it before he puts on, before he puts a, oh, Jace. Jace wants to come to church. Yes, he does. It's okay, Jace. It's all right. I love Jace. He wants us to enjoy this world. He really does. Jace, Jace enjoys this world. He was, he was climbing the tree that God made this morning uh, with, with his friend Tommy. Tommy, uh, Tommy loves climbing trees too. God wanted us to have intimate, and this is the word that's the G-rated word, okay? Because the word in the Bible is knowledge, and it's the same word for intercourse. So I want you to hold those three words as three strands of the same idea. God wanted his children to have intimate knowledge of him. And he wanted them as they saw the creation that they were dropped into, as they experienced the dimension that they were dropped into, he wanted them to know that this was teaching them about him. Which is why he wanted them to trust him. To not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Well, because of that text that we read. That when you ask what's on the other side of that door and what you find out is pain and agony 
and destruction? Do you believe that God really, really wanted us to know all about that? No. He had to offer us the opportunity to find out. That's called free choice. But he really, really didn't want us to eat the fruit. And guess what? He still doesn't. He still doesn't. But now because we've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said we are like him in that we know that much more. And there's that word again, by the way. We have intimate understanding. How many of you wish today that you did not have intimate understanding of evil? Come on. This is, this is, this is why I'm saying this is, this is so huge. And it's all happening here on this particular day in creation because you have these trees that are created. By the way, the seed-bearing part is what comes out next. Seed-bearing meaning that they bear according to their kind. In other words, a pine tree is going to give you pine nuts that will make pine trees. If you are connected to, and, and this is something Chris and I really like, if you are connected to the tree of life, then you are going to produce after the kind of tree that you are connected to. Do you see why the vine and the branches that Jesus talks about are so important? Do you see why maybe when Paul is talking about being in Christ, again, it's that terminology again that adults that I'm talking about, being in Christ, having an intimate understanding of who God is and what he expects of us and how he has saved us, when we have that intimate knowledge and we accept what he has done for us and we are connected to him, his life flows through us and we produce according to that connection. If, however, we are connected to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that is our choice, then the seed-bearing principle that comes on the third day of creation will also have its effect in our lives, my friends. And this is what I think Paul tries to tell us, is that, that, that we will do the things that come from the connections that we have. We can't help it. Which is why we say you, you, you've, you've got to worship somebody. You've got, to, you've got to choose to worship somebody. This is, why, this is why God throws Adam and Eve out of Eden. Get this. This is grace. You, you didn't know that there was grace at this moment. Well, this is grace. God blocks the way to the tree of life. And when we were talking about this, I asked Chris, so... Do you think that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of life before they left the garden? 
Because it sure looks like after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God pushes them out of the garden, puts a big angel there with a flashing sword, and blocks the way to the tree of life because he says, what does he say? Evil must not continue forever. Rebellion in this world, my friends, is not going to last. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. That's good news to me. Maybe because you don't live in the 1040 window, you lucky Americans. You don't know what it's like. You went to bed on a, on a, a mattress last night like I did. I got this for Chris's birthday. Uh, I, got, I got a new mattress pad and I got a new set of sheets. And you think, oh, why is that a birthday present? Well, because my wife looks forward to going to bed. She's happy at the end of the day to snuggle down in her bed. and uh, <sighs> It's a very good moment for her. So I said, I'll get her a new mattress pad and a new, new set of sheets. It's not cheap. It's worth it. But I slept on a really nice bed last night. There are millions of people who don't even have a house. There are millions of people on planet Earth right now who did not sleep inside last night. We don't feel that. We don't feel that pain. Because it's not part of our reality. We're part of the, the, the top 5%, maybe even part of the top 2% in the world. And you thought, oh no, that's just those big guys that fly across the world and you know, get to stay at very special places. No, 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 no. This is what geographers will tell you, that if you can find some change in the ashtray or in the center console of your car, you are richer than 95% of the world. Get that next time you're digging for that 25 cents at Aldi's to get your little cart. Uh-huh. Oh, where's that, where's that 25 cents? Oh, it's just running around in the car. If it's running around in your car, you are richer than 95% of the rest of the world. Just telling you that's the fact for almost, what is it now, almost 8 billion people on planet Earth? God shoes Adam and Eve out of the garden because he blocks access to the tree of life. Now I'm going I'm to have to go to the end on this. Here, here's the end. Jesus is hung on a tree. That tree with Jesus on it and our acceptance of that is the other portal through which we step back into the kingdom of God. Are you still with me, you sci-fi fans? Adam and Eve stepped through the portal of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, no more access to the tree of life. So he brought the tree of life to Golgotha. And he hung himself on that tree and said, if you will accept this 
as the payment for your rebellion, you can step back into citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, even though you live in the valley of the shadow of death. You like that? It all happened on the third day when he made trees. Do you remember back, uh, Amy's, Amy's son sang on our day when we celebrated Passover and Easter. I don't know, it still makes me tingle. He made the tree was the song that John Hinkle sang. He made that tree. The creator God made that tree on the third day and then he has the, the, the poetic ability to say out of his own mouth, Jesus' own mouth, I will rise again on the third day. Now, if you don't get the cool significance of that, I'd say you're asleep. <laughs> don't worry. That's the state of the Laodicean church. They're asleep. You know, they have no idea. We are supposed to have an idea, but we don't have this, and we don't have any idea that God has entered into human history and He has said, I can bring you home. Do you see those stickers on the back of people's cars? They've got outlines of California and a little heart in the middle. Or if the one from Nevada, it has home written into it on the bottom. I think, I think we need to get another sticker. I think we need to put one on the back of our car that has this beautiful picture of, of, of like, I don't know, a, a magic kingdom. No, not that magic kingdom. Okay? But that, that, that we say, I'm... I'm going home. I'm a citizen of, of, of the kingdom of God that has already broken into human society and has invited the entire human family back home with God. And is, he's just saying, wait a little bit, wait a little bit, hold on. My grandfather and my grandfather's grandfather and your, your ancestors who knew Jesus, they died waiting. We are living waiting. Waiting for that moment when Jesus is going to break through those clouds again, this time in all his glory. I don't know, anyone getting excited? <laughs> you know, and the sea will give up its dead and the earth will give up its dead, both of whom created on the third day. And they will give up their dead just like Jesus rose from the dead because he promised that if he died and that he resurrected, that we would too. That's the best news ever. Because you see, the evil empire is trying to hold you down by saying, oh, if you do that, you're going to die. I would love to know that this congregation in its entirety can say back to that temptation, I don't follow you. I don't listen to you because he is my shepherd and he made it through and because he made it through, I'm going to make it through too. And then we live in the meantime while we are waiting. We live knowing that he gave us beauty and that he gave us good food 
and that we enjoy that. I said this to a young lady who's graduating this very year from Glendale Academy, and I'm saying it to you too. If you don't enjoy what God has given you in this life, it's like somebody giving you a present and you not wanting to unwrap it. Can you imagine? God's looking down on us today because he gave us the sun and he gave us a nice day. He's looking down and he's saying, you enjoy it? And if we sit there going, oh, it's too cold. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel like that as a parent when your child does that to you? Like, oh, I wanted the red dress. I didn't want the yellow one. We're like, I guess I'll have to try again tomorrow. You ever thought that God might feel that way about us? Enjoy today! You're alive! You have the ability to do amazing things. Enjoy today. This is part of your eternal life. We will remember this day because we will remember all of our days in this part of our eternal life. Please understand that. There is no insignificance about our present, ladies and gentlemen. We have value. We are valued by the eternal God of the universe. He loves you. He has provided a way to bring you through to the next episode of your eternal life. He did that all on day three. Come back next week. We'll talk about day four. The next exciting episode. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn come on up, um, is 195, uh, Showers of Blessing, if we could all rise to sing.
know about you, but this study for me has, has caused me to fall in love with Jesus all over again. So I'm inviting you at this moment to, to just raise your hand and say, Jesus, I love you. I can't wait to see you. And I want you to come back real soon. But in the meantime, I am going to live as one of your kingdom, one of your people. If that is your desire, please raise your hand and say thank you to Jesus. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for making a way for us to make it through. We thank you that in the meantime, we have a beautiful world to live in. And we have so many individuals who we can talk to about you. So we're going to ask you again this week as we do every week. Please give us the strength, give us the words to speak, help us to recognize those moments when we can lift someone else up, when we can give them the hope that they need, and we can point them to the fact that the Creator God is going to make an end of this world and He's going to make a new one, and on that new world we will be in His presence, worshiping Him day and night, and that we long for that, and that right now, we can also be worshiping him and working with him in this time, in this place, in this Santa Clarita Valley. We thank you for deploying us like this, God. We pray again today for those like Peter who need your special intervention. And we ask that, that you would do this because, Lord, we know we can't. We ask that you would give us the strength because we can't. Help us to depend on you forever and ever, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.